the 2023 NFL season is behind us and to kind of let's see put a bow on it I guess we'll put it that way we got Josh Raymer coming back to the show he started us off right in the beginning it's hard to believe gentlemen it's been a couple months but Josh is back we're gonna look at some stash some trash we're gonna be looking at overachievers underachievers and some some players that uh, we really like their potential going into 2024 Josh thanks so much for joining the show back and i'd like to say better than ever gentlemen but i have two small children and we just went through blue and cold season at christmas so i am back oh, and no. about 75 percent of what i was but very happy to be here and very excited to talk idp with you guys well we'll take you at 75 percent and still a buy <laughs> hut, hut, hike. so guys let's start talking about the overachievers for the 2023 season josh who was that for you so I'm going to go with a guy that was actually my IDP MVP. It was a player very close to my heart as a former Indianapolis Colt turned New York Giant. My overachiever, I'm going with Bobby Okereke, linebacker, New York Giants. Now, it's hard to surpass expectations when you go as the LB8 in late offseason drafts. This is the ADP that we did from 75 best ball drafts, best in class ADP. And slowly but surely, throughout the offseason, Bobby Okereke rose up the linebacker ranks. I had planted a flag on him earlier in the offseason, saying that I thought he had the potential to be a top 12, maybe even a top 6 linebacker. But as he crept higher and higher up the board, ending with an ADP of 31.9, so basically like a mid-third round pick, I was starting to sweat a little bit because if you went DL, DL early in these drafts, which is what we advocate for, you were banking on Bobby Okereke as your LB1. But here's where the surprise came in, gentlemen, is that a lot of these unproven guys, and I'll say unproven in quotes because Okereke had had some nice seasons, but not LB8 type of seasons. Guys that you kind of plant your flag on that are unproven to that extent that surge up the ADP on the back of like untapped potential. And he's got a fresh start. A lot of times they face plant because we get out over our skis with this expectation, but Okereke actually exceeded expectations as much as you possibly could. This was crazy. If you finish counting after week 17, that's when most fantasy championships are played. Uh, Okereke finished as LB four by big three scoring which is a big play scoring format. But if you go through week 18, he was LB1. That finish would knock Foye Aluakun off the pedestal after two years as the overall LB1. So how did, a, how did Bobby O do this, right? The biggest X factor in 2023 for his success was volume. He was the only linebacker in the NFL to play 100% of defensive snaps. I mentioned I named him as my IDP MVP. I believed in him before the season. He paid off that faith big time. But gentlemen, and I hate to say this because I love Bobby O, now is the perfect time to sell. Mm. Now, this mm. is a caveat as well. I'm not selling for just anything. I think fair value is a second round pick. If someone comes at me with a 2024 second, I'm going to cash out. You always fade guys who played 100% of snaps and outkicked every expectation. It's just good business to do that. And if, after finishing as LB1, if you go through week 18, yes, Bobby O could technically just have kind of a sideways lateral mm -hmm. move in 2024 and finish as the LB1 again. But the 
far more likely outcome is that he underwhelms in 2024, potentially to a massive detrimental degree. So I'm happy to let that be someone else's problem if they want to come pay me for Bobby Okereke. What do you guys think about that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, when it comes to Bobby Okereke, I I think it's kind of interesting. I I mean, I understand 100% of snaps, but you feel like it could be a little bit of a drop-off. I think that I mean unless the I mean who else are the Giants? I mean they had Michael McFadden who who did you know okay. Maybe the Giants end up drafting somebody, but <clears throat> I feel like you know he has a, he's on a four year contract with the Giants, and based on his cap situation, they have an out if they wanted to have an out with him. I don't know why they would at this point. Two years from now, so he's gonna be he's gonna be the guy again next year. To me, I, I don't know. I, I think he's going to continue on the same pace. The only thing is, question is, now Wink Martindale is no longer going to be the defensive coordinator. Does that change things? We saw that as a defensive coordinator in Baltimore, linebackers you know were, were, were feasting. Mm-hmm. He goes over as a defensive coordinator for the Giants. Also, Bobby Okereke, he feasts. So I'm very curious to see what the defensive coordinator is because based on his – Whoever that is, the scheme and, and whatever defense they want to do, rumor has it. If you follow these rumor accounts, who knows if they even know anything. If Antonio Pierce doesn't get the head coaching job for Vegas, does he go back to New York as a defensive coordinator? That could be interesting. I think Bobby O is locked in as the LB1 there, no matter who the defensive coordinator is. My worry with 100% of snaps is just injury. I think it was Tom Kisslingberry that did a study of how many games linebackers miss on average and the top 12 or 24 miss like a game and a half to two games a season. So that's my only concern is that if you have a linebacker, there's only one. It was Bobby Okereke that played hundred percent of snaps. So that's just good to fade that kind of overall snap volume for the season, just because linebackers are likely to get banged up and miss a game or two here or there. So, um, if you've got somebody who's wanting to come blow your socks off with an offer, cash out. Seems like uh, Steve might be that type of guy to go in and, uh, you know, still try to acquire Bobby O'Karake. Um, But yeah, I think I was, he was a player I was intrigued by, you know, heading into the season as well, you know, showed some flashes in Indy um, and then going over to the Giants and really getting the full opportunity to be the number one linebacker there. And he showed out, but I think I'd agree. I mean, I, you know, the injury concern is possibly there. I feel like linebackers are almost like running backs for the offense. They kind of hard to stay healthy. They kind of hit in the hole. They're, it's just a tough position to play and a tough one to stay healthy at. And 100% of snaps, I think it would make sense to move on from them. My philosophy on linebackers has sort of changed, I think, after this season. I think there are a few that are kind of in that elite status, but it really is only for a certain window of time. Like I'd say Roquan is, you know, he's he's pretty up there. Obviously, he's got big name value, but I think he's pretty solid. Foyer has been unbelievable these past three years, but do I think he's going to continue to do it? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I believe he's he's becoming a free agent here uh, in the not too distant future. So, and they just got rid of Mike Caldwell, the defensive coordinator for the Jaguars. He, I think he's been there uh, for the time that Foyer's been here, and Foyer kind of came out of nowhere. So. I don't know. When it comes to linebackers, they, they scare me because all of a sudden it's like you get the, uh, uh, you know, Martinez effect, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden it's like, they're gone. Yeah. You know, they hit the cliff. Jalen Smith. Yeah. I Miles mean, it's Jack. just, 
<laughs> yeah, it happens quickly. Um, there are certain linebackers I think you hold a little more tightly to. Like Fred Warner is a great example. We've talked about this on our show before that we think Fred Warner's going to age very well in Dynasty. He could be an Eric Kendricks, Bobby Wagner, Levante David type who plays into his mid-30s at a very high level. So I'm not just going to willy-nilly give that guy away because if I've got potential LB1 production for the next six, seven, eight years, that's worth a lot. But as we saw there every year, are linebackers who come out of nowhere off of waivers and end up winning you championships, winning you weeks, whether it's Nate Landman, whether it's Kaliki Hudson, whether it's EJ Speed, right? So don't hold too tightly to linebackers. Um, I agree with you, Joe, that they are the running back equivalent in that um, that position is a meat grinder. And um, that, as a result, ends up with their careers being shorter and their shelf life for fantasy being a little shorter as well. So, Joe, who is your overachiever for the 2023 season? Yeah, the overachiever I'm going to go with, Steve, is uh, going to be Khalil Mack. You know, at age 32, Mack set a career high in sacks with 18, according to PFF, which doubled his sack total from last year. He had 88 total pressures, 11 quarterback hits, 59 hurries, six batted balls, 41 solo tackles, 15 assisted, and six forced fumbles, um, you know, and I think the what's also impressive about his performance is just the fact that, you know, his running mate in Joey Bosa only played nine games this year. So, you know, I know uh, Tui Tupelotu, you know, helped as well. But for the most part, you know, offense is keen on Mac and trying to slow him down. But uh, Mac, you know, still prevailed and was a force on that defensive line. And me personally, you know, I'd kind of written Mac off, but uh, he showed this year he's still got some juice left. This irritates me so much <laughs> beyond belief because I had Cleo Mack last year. Why? Why, why Cleo Mack did you decide to show up in 2023? What was wrong with 2022? 2022 was just fine. And then I said, you know what? This guy's over the hill. I'm rebuilding. See you later. And I trade him away. And, and he, has a, he has an unbelievable year. I just... Josh, what do you think? What what was it that made Khalil Mack so good this season? Like he just decided to eat spinach before the game? Like what like what was it that just made him this powerhouse? You know, there's um I think Adam actually named him as his IDP MVP for the season. And I think when you see a lot of these top performing teams in IDP madness, Khalil Mack is going to be on the majority of those rosters because he was a late round selection um who ended up number two, I think overall. IDP-wise, at least in our scoring system, behind TJ Watt. And I think part of it is that I think Khalil Mack understands with the Chargers' financial situation that there's a good chance he gets cut this offseason. So he needed to put some good tape out there to find a new team to give him a big deal. Um, And I think also we tend to write these really high-level pass rushers off too early and too often when they have a bad season because a 17-game season is a very small sample size. You think about baseball, right? You think about basketball, how long those seasons are. That's just a larger data set to work with. Statistics in the NFL are more difficult because the sample size is so small. So while it may look like Khalil Mack is having – he's on the backside of his career, right? It could just be that he's in a fallow period in that particular window that you're looking at. And on the other side of it is coming 
some outrageous production, right? We always talk about regressing to the mean and things catching up with the law of averages, right? I think this is just one of those years that Khalil Mack reminded us, I'm really good. And last year was just a year where the quarterbacks rolled the other direction, right? He may have faced some better offensive line competition. So much of production comes down to luck at that position. That's why you have to look at the underlying metrics is because that is a leading indicator of success and not a lagging indicator like sacks and that kind of thing are uh, tackles for loss. You know, those things often come down to luck. I think he just got a little lucky and was on the right side of variance this year to a staggering degree. Uh, and I think the contract situation probably had a little bit to do with that. We saw a lot of edge rushers ball out in contract years. So I think there's something to that. Oh, that's a model we go by. They ball out so they can cash out. So we right. are in total agreement there, and, I, and I'm and i with you. I think Khalil Mack will be on the move. We'll be interested to see uh, if a team uh, gives him crazy money or not. So, uh, you know, I expect him to go to frequency as well. Mm-hmm. So my overachiever of the 2023 season is defensive end Bradley Chubb. He's traded from the Denver Broncos for a first-round pick. Uh, in the 2022 season. And honestly, he had minimal impact. Uh, You know, he only had two and a half sacks over eight games with Miami. I thought that Denver made out like bandits in that trade, to be honest with you. Guy could never stay healthy uh, and really was only, I mean, he's just depreciated ever since his rookie year. He was, I believe he was a defensive rookie of the year. So for me, I completely have written off Bradley Chubb. I had no interest in him at all. If anything, I was very interested in, in Jalen Phillips, but I wasn't interested in Bradley Chubb. He was just a guy who I thought just was, oh, the name, it's Bradley Chubb, you know, former top 10 pick. But to me, I was like, I want to steer clear from this guy. He surprised me. 73 total tackles, 45 solo, 11 sacks, one away from his career high tie, six forced fumbles, two, 22 QB hits, and 44 hurries. I mean, that's a heck of a half a heck of a year. I think he finished seventh in our league. I don't know what he was in yours, Josh, uh, for your scoring. Uh, the sad part of this is he tore his ACL and he's 27 years old. Uh, the edge rushers can recover from this. We just saw with Harold Landry, he, he has actually come back and he's performed very well. Started off slow, but I don't know. I, he's not a guy I would go acquire at this time. I, I still am not believing in him going forward. So uh, shame on me, I guess, if he, <laughs> if he does it again, because, you know, it's like, uh, you know, he's got to fool me twice. Cause I, I just don't, I'm not buying it, but I was very impressed. Yeah. He finished as edge 11 uh, going into the season. He was edge 28 DL 39 overall. So definitely overachieved and outperformed expectations. Yeah. The ACL just such a bummer. The Miami dolphins just snake bit with injuries, bringing in veteran, you know, um, signing guys off the street. I think they brought in Bruce Irvin today for the playoff game in Kansas city where it's going to be like negative 15 degrees. Um, so it's just a bummer. We never really got to see Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb together because what a fearsome duo that was this year. Both guys absolutely tearing it up. Adam has said before that he was so bummed when Phillips went down because you saw what Chubb was doing. You saw what Van Ginkle was doing. And it's like, that should have been Jalen, right? And so, yeah, I'm not looking to buy Bradley Chubb at that age coming off that injury, Joe. But there's no denying that the guy was a force, not out of nowhere, kind of like Khalil Mack, same sort of, you know, 
same sort of like proven pedigree to a lesser degree still fetched a hell of a price in that trade. And I think he just reminded us how good he was in 2023. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, no, I, I wasn't, I, you know, I think there was room for that, right? The expectation was his rookie year when he had all those sacks, there was a, you know, Vic Fangio head coach. Now he goes back to Vic Fangio defense and the place were there for him again um, off the edge. But I agree with you. I'm not looking to buy him, you know, coming off of this ACL and it's honestly just going to, I think it's going to be tough for, you know, Phillips coming off the Achilles too, both for both of these edge rushers in Miami. Yep. Yep. It's a bummer. We'll see what they do there. They might have to draft someone or sign someone in free agency, maybe like a DJ Wanham or something like that, just to kind of plug mm-hmm. the gap until, because neither of those guys will be ready to start the season. So they're going to have to do something. We'll see just a major, major bummer because that defense would have been nasty if they had all those guys together. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, as a Bills fan, I'm okay with that. Uh, <laughs> sure you know, they, they, they can uh, wait till next year to get healthy. Uh, this year, we don't need that. So are you enjoying this video so far? Well, if you are, show your support to our new channel by hitting the subscribe button and liking this video. We'll be creating videos all NFL season long, so you're not going to want to miss what we have in store. So going over to the underachievers, uh, Josh, who was it for you? It's another edge rusher, another highly drafted edge rusher. It is Brian Burns of the Carolina Panthers. Now, Sigmund Bloom said on our recent Dynasty episode that he hoped we haven't seen the best football of Brian Burns' career. I agree. I'm hoping that's not the case. He was taken as the edge eight this offseason, finished the year as the edge 24, and had his lowest point output since his rookie season. Uh, He did finish the season strong in week 17 and 18, but at that point, I'm, I don't know how many lineups he was actually in. Um, so we have to ask ourselves, with the disappointment of Brian Burns, what happened? Why did Burns bomb? I think the first and most obvious reason, I don't think any of us would disagree, the Panthers sucked. They were historically <laughs> one of the worst teams we have ever seen. The stat making the rounds on Twitter this week, they did not lead for one second of the fourth quarter in any game this season. That is almost impossible to do. Um, and Burns did not want to be there. Don't forget, he held in during the offseason and was actually questionable for week one. He eventually returned to play week one because he realized I have no leverage and my contract has to toll if I want to become a free agent in 2024 and get that big contract that I want. So I've got to play. Um, and he did have flashes this season. Like he still put up some big games here or there. Uh, but for there was a stretch from weeks 13 to 16 where he was totally unplayable. You know, that like end of the regular season, first two rounds of the playoffs. So thanks a lot for that, Brian. Um, I actually think he's a great buy in Dynasty right now because managers will be so sour on him. And talk about production. I mean, this guy has proven to be right up there with the Khalil Max and the Bradley Chubbs. And I think you could maybe swoop in and get him for like maybe a third and a fourth. Uh, maybe a like 2025 20, second. I mean, I think if you can do that, that's worth asking around about, sniffing around about with the manager of Brian Burns, because we have to look at what does the future hold for this guy who almost fetched two thirds, uh, two first in the NFL and a possible trade with the Los Angeles Rams that never happened. Now, did the Panthers franchise tag him? Maybe. I'm hoping he hits the op- I'm hoping he hits the open market gets the big deal that he wants, gets back reinvigorated for 2024. Maybe we see that Los Angeles pairing 
that never came to be last season. Who knows? But I think brighter days are ahead for Brian Burns. I'm not ready to write, the, write this guy off yet. Do you really feel like he was that much of an underachiever, though? I, I only say that because if you look back at his stats, I mean, I recognize it wasn't – I mean, it definitely wasn't as good as the 2022 to 2023 season, right, where he had 12 and a half sacks. But if you look at it, I mean, his numbers really aren't all that different from two years ago. Um, he played 17 games that season. He had a total of 50 tackles, which he did that this year. Uh, the difference of 31 solo versus 32. And then this year he had eight sacks compared to that 2021 season I'm referring to where he had nine. So, I mean, very minusculely different. Maybe it's just one of those things, it, you know, he just performs every other year, Josh, because he does really good. He did really good in the 2020 season. He did really good in the 2022 season. Maybe he just likes evens. You know, he just doesn't like odd years. He So maybe 2024, like, he's going to do better because he just doesn't like odds. Yeah, I think he was one of those guys we were hoping would take that next step because he was starting to get that national buzz. We heard about the two first-round picks from the Rams. We're like, all right, this guy is one of the top six or seven edges in the league. And this year, that just really did not come to fruition. And there were just so many games where, I mean, he totally screwed you. And we had so many questions coming in. <laughs> What's going on with you know Brian Burns? And I mean, we said on our show, you got to sit this guy down for better options. So I think he's a disappointment in that he's a top eight edge rusher that you had to take out of your lineups. So no matter what IDP league you were playing in, if you were starting one defensive lineman, this was a guy that you probably almost certainly had rostered in your league to start the season. And to whiff on a pick like that in the most critical stretch of the season yeah, I think it's fair to call that guy an underachiever. Hmm. Especially especially for how well the edges played this year. Because you look across the ADP, Joe, I know we're going to talk about a guy here in just a sec with yours <laughs> who underwhelmed to kind of a similar degree. But like so many of those edges lived up to the billing or even exceeded it. So it's just he sticks out like a sore thumb in a year where edges really, really balled out. Yeah, I mean, if it is and every other thing, uh, you're for him. I mean, looks like, like you said, Josh, that would be the time to go ahead and mm -hmm. buy him low. And if he has a nice season, maybe you can, uh, flip him after another good season next year or, or keep him. And maybe there is more good things to come from Brian Burns. I mean, he is, you know, still young at 25 years of age as well. So I don't, I don't think I'm, you know, I don't think we've seen like the best football from him yet. I think there's still room for him to take a, take another step forward and be an elite guy. If it's me and what you're saying is the price, I'm buying that all day, every day. I'm not going to give a first. I'm probably not giving a 2024 20, second. I may give a late second, like 210, 211, 212. Um, I would try to get like a third and a fourth just to see and maybe throw in like a, I don't know, an offensive player or a linebacker or something. Can you throw in a piece, like a second, a third? a third, a fourth, and like a piece um, to try to get the deal done. Um, but yeah, well, I, I, I don't I don't believe enough to pay a premium price for him. Let me say that. Just so I understand a little bit as far as, you know, kind of what we're talking about here. Tyree Wilson and Lucas Van Ness, mm -hmm. as far as your drafts, mm -hmm. where, what were they as far as, where did they go? Like third and fourth round. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Yep. So Will Anderson went first. He went first. Yep. Anybody in the second? Uh, I think there were some linebackers in the second. 
I don't think uh, I don't think any of the other big edge rushers went. Um, no, because like Will McDonald, a lot Nolan, of those Nolan guys, Smith, third, Will fourth McDonald. round. Okay. Yeah, second round. I think second round was like Jack Campbell. Um, I think I took Jalen Carter at the three hundred one. So, uh, but yeah, like those guys. That's that's what you'd be looking at, right? Like, would you rather have? And I think you could make the case, like if I'm sending this offer out to the Brian Burns manager, I'm sending like maybe the mock drafts, right, that have these edge rushers like, oh, my God, have you heard the buzz about so-and-so from Georgia or Alabama or whatever? <laughs> this guy's going to be the real deal uh, and try to sway him off. And maybe you throw in an offensive piece, you know, um, just to try to sweeten the pot. But that probably doesn't get the deal done, but you can at least start the negotiations there because I'm telling you, boys, I think there might be – if you took the temperature of the Brian Burns managers in your league, I guarantee you it is lukewarm to cold right now. Mm. Mm. Might, might be good to put some feelers out there. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Joe, who was your underachiever for the 2023 season? Yeah, uh, the theme of the night here is sticking with an edge rusher, and uh, I'm going to go with Kayvon Thibodeau. And I know, uh, Steve, when I mentioned him, he kind of gave me a look, uh, I think because you just see the 13-sack season. But despite recording those sacks, you know, if you look at his PFF metrics, you know, overall grade, pass rush grade, they all were down from the previous year. And this was a year that everyone was expecting him to take a leap forward. I know like uh, in the best ball IDP leagues, everyone was like, oh, if you can start Thibodeau and Jalen Phillips, like that's a heck of a start. And you'll be, you know, pretty dominant and set with the DL position. Um, but instead, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau, he really was just a sack or bust for you in fantasy this year. And he only had 25 tackles compared to last year's 45, you know, which I feel like last year, even though his sack numbers weren't there, he at least gave you a somewhat of a tackle floor, just which was non-existent this year. So that's why I have him as a disappointment. Yeah. When is the edge 10 in our ADP uh, finished? I always like to see for like context. I think it's helpful. So he actually finished the year, with 216 points by big three scoring wedged in between Harold Landry and Christian Barmore. So not like a, Oh my God, this dude absolutely killed you, but you know, you need those first round picks to be studs. And he was going at an ADP of 15.1 overall. So like a early second round pick. And that's just hard when you have such a boom bust player. He didn't really have as much help as we anticipated from that New York Giants defensive line. Dexter Lawrence took a step back. Aziz Ojolari was non-existent. Leonard Williams was traded. Um, so I think that team was just not as good as we thought it was going to be on the defensive side of the ball. They had some nice IDP assets, but um, I think Kayvon is probably always going to be one of those boomer bust guys. And you know, he's still learning the position. He's still young. We forget these guys take three, four years to really hit their stride at the edge rushing position. Yeah. I mean, I made a face show when you first said it uh, <laughs> because I, you know, you look at the sack totals, but I, I think you're right. I mean, look at it. His tackle floor was really low. Uh, his QB hits, which I think is also pretty indicative of how close you've been around the ball. I think he had 16 QB hits, which is pretty low considering he had 11 and a half sacks. That means that because, uh, you know, QB, QB hits get lumped in, so it's like a double dip. So, really, it's only saying that he got five and a half QB hits. Or, sorry, five QB hits. Uh, so, you know, to me, that 
you know, it makes you think like, yeah, maybe, maybe he really, if you look at his stats, I mean, he was really boomer bust. You look at the weeks, he either went off for you and he probably won or he gave you a goose. So that's a tough guy to play. I mean, IDP is like that. It can be feast or famine. You just like to have a higher tackle floor, but I, I think yeah. it's actually a decent call by you. Yeah. He finished as uh well, at least going into week 18, he was DL 26 uh, in total points and DL 28 in points per game. He had eight games under five fantasy points. Three came in your fantasy playoffs, weeks 15 through 17. And he had, uh, looks like seven games over 15 points by big three scoring. So talk about managers who are going to be pissed off at someone. <laughs> Kayvon Thibodeau managers, after getting three single-digit outputs in the fantasy playoffs, are going to be furious. So send out some offers for this guy. <laughs> See if you can snatch him up for like a the Brian Burns package we were just talking about. So my underachiever for the 2023 season, which I am pretty concerned about going for because I just signed this guy last offseason to a long-term contract, which I could be making a mistake on this. But linebacker Devin White, you know, he had 84 total tackles, 50 solo tackles, two and a half sacks, um, career low for him. And he's going to be a free agent this upcoming offseason. I do not believe that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will resign him. There's been too much drama as it relates to him and the coaching staff. He's been the type of player that you would have thought they would get the franchise tag. I don't think he will. So I think he's going to hit the market, which to me is fascinating because he he's a different type of linebacker because he has that ability to rush the passer and get the sacks. He just you know put him in that inside blitz, um, and he just causes havoc. So I'm actually really excited as to where he may go, and I think he could get a ton of money. I don't know, though. It's so interesting with the linebacker position because you don't see guys like Devin White's caliber, but I say that, but he was really not good this year. So what do you guys – I'm trying to make heads or tails of this. You know, are you, are you think this is an anomaly? Do you think he has a brighter future? What are you doing you know, with Devin White? Yeah, I think he stunk this year. I think he was one of the worst linebackers in the NFL. Um and I think Ouch. he's been I think he's been bad for a long time. I think Ouch. it's been covered up a little bit by the big plays, you know. Ouch. Um, but I will say I think he's a good buy. Now, what did you extend him for? That's the question. You know what's his know. is it like 10? I extended him for like five years. Um for like eight or nine or ten per year. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> you know, it depends on the price, right? Um, if you got it's him more, for, it's more. It's okay. more. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. If you got him for like three or four in an RSO league on a on a deal, that's fine, because I do think he could go somewhere and be productive. Uh, but I think he's gonna have to take a prove it deal. Um, he's absolutely wow. like zero percent chance coming back to Tampa Bay. No possibility whatsoever. Um, he will be somewhere else. I think that there may be someone who gives him like a. I don't know, um, two years, 12 million or something. But I could also see like a David Long, Aziz Alshair, one year, six, seven million dollar deal. Um, because you think he's I, that, you think he's that caliber of he's linebacker? Had, he's had that bad of a season wow. and things have gone so poorly with the organization that does not sit well with coaches, GMs, mm. and other decision makers. So mm. I think that's going to poison the well for Devin White in free agency. I don't think he's going to get a lot of money. I think the weird back and forth with being made and active and asking for the trade. I mean, he just has not handled his business well this season and uh, we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe 
there's a dumb GM or coach out there that says, well, look how many tackles this guy had. Look at how many sacks he's had. And, you know, gives him a five-year extension worth more than $10 million per year. Like Steve This guy. Had. This guy right here. Uh, Joe, what do you think? Am I crazy? Are we being too harsh on Devin White? No, I don't I don't think you're crazy because, I mean, you just look at – I think that's just kind of where the linebacker market could be unless you're like one of the higher elite guys or, you know, a team like the Bears who are just desperate at linebacker and just decided to go for a boatload of money with bringing in Edmonds and TJ Edwards this past offseason. Um, but, yeah, I don't think you're crazy. I think you're probably right. You know, one or two-year deal for Devin White and – It'll be interesting to see where he goes and, you know, maybe a change of scenery could be good for him and maybe he'll uh, handle his business a little better going forward. <laughs> yeah. He's going to have to, cause I think he's going to get humbled uh, in the free agency because here's the thing too. Wow. Look at the pending free agents. Adam's putting together a list for our site right now. I mean, 25 to 30 of some of the biggest name linebackers in IDP are about to hit the free agency market. Now, some of those guys could get, Franchise tagged or re-signed. But as it stands right now, IDP at linebacker is about to turn over in a way we have not seen in the past six, seven years, at least since I started playing IDP in 2016. I feel like you're giving Devin White the Devin Bush treatment. I mean, he's been about on the same same caliber this year. <laughs> oh, he was, no. Just, he got benched for KJ Britt. I mean, let's just call it like it is. Uh, Devin White. That's the guy you're going to give yeah, a Yeah, but Todd Bowles is an old school coach. Yeah, I don't know. Well, you know, it's like he's just gotten worse and worse and worse at a time when he should be getting better and better and better. He has descended when he should be ascending, and that's never good. That's not the way you want to see the career trajectory going for a guy like Devin White. Hmm. Well, let's go on to a, a more, <laughs> like, who can I trade Devin White to in my yeah. RSO league? No, no, no. Let, let, let's go to a more hopeful topic yes, here. Guys. Yes, yes, <laughs> Let's talk about some under-the-radar players for 2024. Josh, who is it for you? So this is a guy I am putting my money where my mouth is. I extended this guy, picked him up off of waivers in our main RSO league, extended him two years, $4 million total. Steve, take notes. This is how you do extensions. Um, (laughs) You just scoop guys off waivers. You get these edge rushers for cheap. It is Yaya Diaby from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, thanks to people like Peter Schrager from Good Morning Football, Yaya Diaby's national profile is starting to rise a little bit, especially with Tampa Bay in the playoffs. I think on that Monday night game with the Eagles in disarray, you could get some Yaya Diaby fireworks. So, Pay attention to that here as we enter Super Wild Card Weekend. But when you look at Diaby's snap counts for 2023, you see he played 46% of snaps on the season. That's fine for a rookie, but behind Shaq Barrett and Joe Tryon Shoyinka. But dig a little deeper, though, and starting in Week 12, you find that his snap percentage jumped from being in the 30 to 40% range to being in the 50 to 60% range because Diaby supplanted Tryon Shoyinka as the starter. Todd Bowles actually announced this, that Diaby was now the starter over Tryon Shoyinka. And what happened during that stretch where he became the starter? He had four and a half sacks. He finished the year with seven and a half sacks. The Bucks also made, I say improbable, because look at this team. It's kind of made of like spare parts and has Baker Mayfield at the helm. They made a push for the playoffs, and they were playing against the Eagles in round one of Wild Card Weekend. Uh, with Barrett and Tryon Shoyinka both on expiring deals as far as 2024 is the last year of their current deals, 
Diaby already having supplanted one starter. I don't think it's a stretch to imagine him taking the lion's share of the snaps at edge in 2024. I'm not talking like 90 plus percent like Max Crosby or Aiden Hutchinson, but if he could get 70% of the snaps on this defensive line, that'd be good with me. And I think unless you're in these deeper dynasty leagues with you know bigger rosters and taxi squads and IR, Diaby likely flying under the radar a little bit. I think he's a great off-season target right now before the buzz starts to build later this year. So I am very hopeful for Yaya Diaby there in Tampa Bay. I, I like I like the call there, Josh. And honestly, a little bit even uh, that this one sneaked by me. I didn't even notice this one. So thanks a lot. Although this guy was drafted in our league, so I can't go pick him up. Uh, but thanks for the tip. I appreciate it. When it comes down to it, though, you're right. I mean, Barrett came back, I believe, from an ACL injury. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then Joe Tryon, former first-round pick out of Washington, just has never really, uh, you know, show. I mean, he's shown flashes, but it's just never been, you know, that prominent. So, Jabby, I think, former third-round pick. Uh, this Louisville. Oh, oh, wait a minute now. Okay. Wait, no, 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 this is a tell here. You know, this, this is a homer play. You know, this is a slip up right here. Yes, I am a Western Kentucky boy. and But when Kentucky players from any of our state schools make the league, Lamar Jackson, you know, Will Levis, any of these guys, Kentucky fans, as far as the state of Kentucky, should root for these guys because we don't get a lot. We don't get a lot of Kentucky players you know, in the, in the NFL. So uh, yeah, when we're always going to pull for guys, even though I'm not a Louisville fan, if, if a guy's from Louisville, he, he gets a little arrow up in my book. Yeah. I like this call from you too, Josh. I mean, just watching the Bucks games, you know, Yaya Diaby is a name that you just, you heard a lot. He made the splash plays, even just, uh, you know, if it wasn't sacks, just tackles for losses and just liked how active he was and involved. So I do like his outlook, and he's an interesting player going forward. In our home dynasty league, Josh, you, you might find this interesting. He was drafted in the sixth round, the hundredth pick, Yaya Diaby. So that was quite the good value. And it just so happens that that owner also owns Brian Burns. So maybe he, there you go. he's got a little insurance policy. He does, yeah. I mean, we have a five-round rookie draft in our main dynasty league. So he went undrafted. I scooped him up off waivers when he was starting to like get a little bit of run there after week 12. And I was like, you know what? Two years, 4 million. Let's just throw the dart. If it doesn't work out, it's not going to sink me. And if it does work out, you got a top 24, 36 edge rusher on a $2 million contract. Yes, please sign me up for that. All right, Joe, who's your under the radar guy? Yeah, I mean, uh, he was under radar going into the season, but uh, he's kind of made a name for himself in the later latter half of this year here. But I'm going to go with Kobe Turner, uh, you know, in the rookie drafts of our home dynasty league that you're referencing, Steve. Um, I drafted Kobe Turner, thought he was an interesting prospect. Um, never, you know, didn't imagine he'd grade out to be a top defensive tackle this year and have 11 sacks. Um and then, you know, the unfortunate part is he was actually on my practice squad and then poached. Um, and then after I made the draft pick, Steve told me it wasn't a good pick. Um, didn't understand why I took him. But, you know, Colby Turner's proven you wrong, Steve. 
And yeah, well, then, you, you didn't you didn't believe in him either because if you would have protected him, then he wouldn't have got poached. So I know, you but gotta I, eat your own medicine here. Yeah, that is true. That is true a little bit. I just didn't think somebody was gonna you know realize. I thought he might stay under the radar a little bit and for maybe a week longer before I could protect him. But uh, you know, as long as he's got um, Aaron Donald alongside him next year, I think he could uh, continue to build off his success off his rookie year going into next year. Isn't that a big yeah. if though? I, mean, I think Donald's back for one more year. I think going to the playoffs, this team's going to have some cap space. I think they're 12th in the league in cap space with about $40 million. Um, I think this team, you got Cooper Cup, you got Puka Nakua, Kyron Williams, Byron Young, Kobe Turner, Aaron Donald, Ernest Jones. I mean, this team has a core of players that are dudes. And so I think you get at least one more year out of both Stafford and Donald. And really fun story on Kobe Turner I heard from – I saw on Twitter, actually, they were sharing some like behind-the-scenes Rams stuff. You guys might have seen this, that uh, Les Snead, the Rams GM, allows the scouts to include emojis in the scouting reports to convey emotions. And so they have, I believe it's the fire emoji, and you put the fire emoji in your report if you are pounding the table and saying, we have got to make this guy a Los Angeles Ram. You don't use that emoji lightly. And 15, I think it was, of the 17 scouts who looked at Kobe Turner included the fire emoji in their scouting report. So think about that kind of universal buy-in from a scouting department on a player, and they were absolutely right. So I think the Rams smashed their rookie class, and those two edge rushers uh, in particular with Kobe Turner, who's more of an inside guy, plays a little bit of edge as well, and then Byron Young. That's suddenly a pretty nice little defensive line. You drop a Brian Burns, another one of these kind of edge rushers in there. That could be a suddenly fearsome front in 2024. Yeah, I give a lot of credit to the Rams. I've been very, hmm, what's the word? <laughs> Down on them? Critical of, of you know, people are like, oh, Sean McVay, the golden boy. He can do no wrong. He's the best coach out there. I always thought he was you know, just fluffed up, you know, but I tell you what, they, they have done a masterful job, him and Les Snead, you know, the, the people who say they should F the picks. Well, um, maybe keep not the picks, more because I think you should keep them. Yeah, exactly. Less is more. Yeah. But and I think, anyway. I think the, I think the big beneficiary you'll see out of Los Angeles is Raheem Morris, uh, the defensive coordinator, former Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach. I think he's going to get a job this go around. I think he's going to get his second opportunity. I mean, we were making fun of this Rams defense as one of the worst defenses we'd ever seen. And now they're in the playoffs and looking good. I don't think there's anybody out there that wants to play the Los Angeles Rams right now. So major credit to the Rams organization and especially Raheem Morris as the defensive coordinator. So my under the radar pick for next year is going to be safety Jair Brown, former third round pick out of Penn state. I thought he was the best safety in this draft class. I, I was proven wrong. Brian Branch uh, ended up being a heck of a lot better than Jair Brown, but I still have some hope for Jair. Uh, he's a ball hawk coming out of Penn State. Uh, you know, it just had, you could see just based on you know his talent when he was at Penn State. He just has a knack for getting near the ball, and and I don't know why he didn't start right away. I think a lot of times when it comes to IDP, you have to be patient. A lot of times these rookies don't see the field right away. In some ways, they're redshirted until the next year. And for whatever reason, you had Tayshawn Gibson. He's 33 years old. He's got one year remaining. He was starting for most of the year. He's going to be out of there. 
And then Telenoa Hufunga, who obviously, uh, you know, people gravitate to him because he makes these plays. He's got the long, you know, hair. You know, everyone is recognizes him. Well, he tore his ACL. So, to me, we saw some flashes from Jair Brown this year. I think he could really take that next step forward going into the next season. Uh, so I, I have a lot of hope for him. Yeah, I'm right there with you. He was one of my favorite safeties. My favorite safety from the class, uh, Sidney Brown, unfortunately. This flew under the radar, torn ACL as well, uh, especially after that 99-yard house call. I think Red Zone has that had that as one of their top five plays of the year. Um, so just a major bummer seeing him go on the shelf. But, yeah, Brian, Bar- uh, Brian Branch is definitely the crown jewel of this safety class. Got some good DBs out of this class, man between Sidney Brown, Jair Brown, Brian Branch, uh, Devon Witherspoon. I mean, a lot of these rookie corners, I think, are going to be contributors on the IDP side of things. So, yeah, it was a bummer uh, seeing Sidney Brown go down, but I am extremely excited for Jair Brown as well. I almost, almost extended him in our RSO league, but I just could not pull the trigger on it. Um, It was another two-year, $4 million deal, but I've learned in those leagues, you got to be careful getting extension happy because it can come back to bite you if you do too many of them. So I was like, let's just see. Maybe I can pick Jair Brown up in the auction next year or something. Yeah. Yeah, I like the call from you, Steve. I mean, like you you referenced it with the additional playing time with Gibson being gone. Uh, you know, we'll see when Hufunga makes it back. But uh, with that additional playing time, he should see an uptick going into 2024 here. So, guys, that wraps it up for our overachievers and underachievers for the 2023 season and a few guys to keep on your radar heading to 2024. Josh, thanks so much for joining the show today. I know you've got some great things going on at the IDP show. Uh, what, what would you want to tell our audience? Uh, stick around. Don't tune out. This is kind of a slow time of year for fantasy football, but I think uh, if you're watching this, listening to this, you may be in a dynasty league. And we're going to have some awesome dynasty content coming your way. Right now, we're in the midst of um, NFL playoff fantasy leagues. Um, if you guys have never done that before, I would highly encourage you to do so. It's actually my favorite form of fantasy football because it is sort of like a, a picks league, a survivor pool meets fantasy football. You got to get lucky picking the teams. Uh, you got to pick teams that advance far in the playoffs and score your points. And uh, because it's such a short window of time, it's kind of chaos, you know, organized chaos. So a lot of great resources out there if you want to start a league. Um, And then we'll be into Dynasty. We'll be looking at free agents. We'll be looking at rookies. So don't tune out. Like, just stick with us. And uh, we're going to help get you ahead of the curve uh, as opposed to your league mates who are checking out this time of year and and just coming in for the rookie draft or the the main fantasy draft. Plug in with us. We're going to help take care of you all off season long. Awesome. And, you know, couldn't recommend Josh and the IDP show more. Those are great guys. They produce great content and they are diligent in their craft. They take a lot, a lot of time uh, to give you great, great work. They dive into the research. Uh, so you got to make sure you check it out, especially if you like IDP. Uh, and if you haven't tried IDP, you got to give it a go. Next season, this is your opportunity to give it a shot. Uh, all of us here uh, would highly recommend it. It has changed the way we play fantasy football. It just makes it way, way more exciting. 
Uh, but thank you so much for watching. We'll be having shows all through the offseason. You're not going to want to miss it. Go ahead, hit the subscribe button, hit that notification bell, uh, because you're not going to want to miss what we have in store. Thank you so much for watching, and until next time.